I don't always like the messenger of who Bethany is, but Bethany's message is correct. I mean, and you know, I'm more of an expert in the TLC world, which has these shows like Thousand Pound Sisters and, you know, Sister Wives and 90 Day Fiance. Nobody is more abused than those individuals on TLC. I mean, I know for a fact, a lot of these individuals, I mean, they make less than a thousand dollars an episode and they are expected to shoot for hours every week of their lives, tell their whole, I mean, they have no workman's comp. They have no retirement. They have no 401k. They're not getting health insurance and they make peanuts. And, you know, Bethany's right. They do need a union. 100%. These networks are making a fortune off of these individuals, a fortune. Want to listen to this ivory tower boiler room or true crime and academia episode ad free? Head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room to listen to all of our podcast episodes without any ads. You get access to our video episodes, our bonus episodes, and even more exclusive content, including merchandise. It only starts at $5 a month. So head on over to our Patreon. Again, it's patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room. And while you're at it, you know what would be such a help is if you could rate and review the ivory tower boiler room on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And make sure that you follow us and share out our podcast to all of your friends. It truly does help. And I want to thank you all. It means so much that you're listening to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. I hope that you enjoy this episode. Hi, this is Dr. Andrew Rimby. Welcome back to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. I am so excited because I am joined with a good friend of mine, a mentor, all things Sarah Fraser, host of the Sarah Fraser. I always want to say, now you say Fraser, but I'm like, it's Sarah Fraser uh, show. It is. It's it is. It is. It's, it, you know what? It's so funny too. Um, my grandparents, I don't know, somehow it morphed into Fraser, but it is actually pronounced Fraser. It's like Brendan Fraser, who I have to go and do a genealogy, like a 21 of me. I swear to God, we're going to be like, you know, eight cousins removed or something. You're going to uh, be linked. I guarantee we're going to be like, I feel like we sort of look alike, which I know is not really that great of a comparison since he just did a movie where he was like 400 pounds. He was like the whale. But anyway, you know, I mean, we do sort of look alike, right? Well, Sarah is all things in my life, pop culture. She is a TLC head. Uh, she just is obsessed with TLC and I love it. Uh, Sister Wives, 90 Day Fiance. But she also does really love Bravo and The Real Housewives. So a lot of you on my show, you love The Real Housewives. We have Housewives updates, Sarah. I'm going to Jackie Goldschneider's book signing soon, and Jackie knows it. So maybe I'll have Jackie on. Um, I'm friends with Lindsay, the housewife historian, who everyone's going to be introduced to soon. Um, I've had Ebony K. Williams on, Dana Wilkie, David Yontef, who you do your joint housewives show with. Mm -hmm. uh, we also talk about really risque topics, Sarah and myself. We're not afraid of having porn industry people on. So Sarah, without further ado, I just need to know, you're in Los Angeles. You're at the scene of the crime, at the writer's strike and everything going on. And there's just so much in the news right now. I mean, Drew Barrymore just did her mea culpa of, you know what? I'm yeah. not going to go back to air. 
And what is happening? Like, why do you think it got to Drew Barrymore? Like, what well, was happening? I'm actually a SAG-AFTRA member and have been for uh, nearly two decades. I'm on the news side because I still am a contributor for Fox 5 DC. Um, so anybody in the DC region listening to this, I appear like every Tuesday night and I do their Good Day DC show. So I've been a longtime SAG member, but we've been exempt from this because- I'm in the news category, but you see the writer strike. I mean, it impacts everything here, everything, everybody. I know so many people, um, you know, look, I mean, I, I don't know how I feel about the whole Drew thing because I have to think Drew knew. Well, I don't know why you announce it and then backtrack. I mean, you have to know every fucking person knows. I mean, this is like you're, you are a, you know, academia. I mean, everybody knows going back to like Jimmy Hoffa, you know, I mean, if you cross the picket lines, you are a scab. I mean, that is, but I almost feel like people just are so dumb. They don't know our history. It's like, to me, I, I don't know why if she wanted to come back because their argument, you know, Bill Maher did a, did a reversal. Jennifer Hudson's done a reversal. Sherry Shepard is also done a reversal. Although I think Sherry and like the Tamron Hall show, they might be exempt because they were considered something else. Anyhow, and Drew's show, their argument is this. There are a lot of people that are on the payroll that have that are not part of the SAG-AFTRA or the, the writers union. And, and what about them? And, you know, to Drew and Bill's point, it's like even with those guys putting up money, right? I mean, you know, you're talking hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in salaries biweekly. It, you know, money goes real quick. So- I don't understand. To me, Drew, like, had to have known. She's been in the business a long time. You know, either do it or don't do it. Now, I do have a theory. Maybe with the threat of coming back and then pulling back, it raises even more awareness and buzz. Maybe it's putting more pressure. You know, maybe it's more strategic than we think. And it's putting more pressure on you know, the entire situation upping the ante, like we have to get this resolved. And, you know, Bill Maher came out and said, look, they've gone back to the table. They are negotiating as we speak. And so I'm going to hold off in hopes there's a deal. Um, but, you know, I saw this LA Times article that was like, oh, Drew Barrymore has built, you know, two decades of her career on being nice and one day to destroy it. I'm like, no one in... Most people in America are not members of SAG-AFTRA. In another year and a half, when this is resolved, no one's going to give one fuck. And Drew has probably one of the highest watched talk shows, and it will continue to be. So, you know, well, she'll, and that's my be fine. speaking of talk shows. This is where I do. If you can, like, you are a SAG-AFTRA member, mm -hmm. and the clarity for me, it is tough. Like, you have someone like a Whoopi Goldberg, who's an actress on The View. I feel that the pressure is now just starting to creep in with all these other shows like okay wait but why is this show still allowed on you know or why is this reality show still allowed on and beverly hills i feel is going to really be in that tricky spot because so many of them are sag after members like kyle richards and garcelle mm -hmm. and are they going to delay the beverly hills housewives from coming out because of the writer's strike or because they're exempt, you know, like what's this pressure? I do feel the longer this goes on, Sarah, the more the um, those striking are going to just demand shows being pulled, which, and I can understand too, because it's starting to be seen as them turning their back on the strike, you know? But like, I wonder how Whoopi Goldberg is checking in on this. 
That's a great question. Um, I, and, you know, my blink is these reality shows do not have writers. They have producers and the producers are not a part of the strike. So go forward. And, you know, a lot of the Beverly Hills stuff was filmed before the strike happened. So to me, I'm like that. I, if I were Garcelle and Kyle, I would continue. It's like, you can still show up in solidarity of these writers, but a lot of your stuff was um, filmed before. And I agree with you. And that's where it like drives me nuts. And I think the line is, is like, you are seeing, I think to your point, writers now putting pressure on people on shows that it's really like, mm, they're not a part of it, you know? So why are you coming for them? But of course, Right. The more numbers, the more they can get content off the air and make these networks realize how valuable they are, the better. Right. So they would love to see Kyle and Garcelle not do it. But well, but wait, could Kyle and Garcelle film any of the YouTube specials or actually do any promoting? I don't think they're allowed to promote the show. Like, right. Okay, well, there's they a couldn't... good way to protest. I mean, there's a good way to be a part of the protest and not violate your, con you know, your SAG agreement. Yeah. Then don't promote it. Yeah. But I do wonder if that's why we're not seeing the trailer yet for Beverly Hills, because Beverly Hills, I heard, is supposed to come in November and or at least by December. So we would think there would be a trailer, but I feel that they're being very strategic, maybe because they think Kyle and Garcelle. I'm trying to think. Erica, I don't think is in SAG after it, but I know you're going to see. Right. Are you seeing Bet on Blonde? Oh, I'm thinking about it. I think I'm going to go in December with David. I was going to go to BravoCon, but I never got tickets. So I'm not going to BravoCon. So now I'm thinking I'll go in Vegas in December. I'm hoping to go see Bet on Blonde. Are you going to go? No, I mean, I've seen enough clips from it already. I feel like I was already there. That's how I feel at BravoCon. Like I've seen the show. Like, I love Bravo yeah. shows, but I am not spending that amount of money. Like, it is so expensive. So and it also, like, for me, it would have to be a business expense. And I feel like my more business expense experiences are when I actually get to meet, you know, a star from the show who actually is doing a book signing, like a Jackie Goldschneider, or when I've gotten to, you know, even meet um, Kim D, which I know we don't have to talk about that feud, but... Because yeah. I'm I'm good. I am all for everyone and their content in the podcast world. Like, I just want everyone to get along. And well, that's how I weigh in there. I always go on a case-by-case -case basis. And in this case, and I, I've said it on my own show, I wish Kim and David could find a way to work it out. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen, but I wish they would because they were great together. Their fans loved them. And I, you know, I always give this advice to David and, you know, Kim messaged me and I messaged back with Kim because I I've said I, I love Kim. I think she was great with him. Um, I went through this when I was on the Kane show, which was a radio morning show in Washington, D.C. that was very, very popular and was starting to be syndicated on Sirius XM. And then we all had a huge falling out. And the show was never the same after I left, after another host left. It just never was. And it's too bad when you have something that's working and is magical and you guys have chemistry. You know, I, I always think we should have therapists for work. You know, I mean, we should because we, we spend so much time with people that we work with and then we're expected to resolve conflict. And especially in the entertainment business, try to work it out. And, you know, we're not experts in, in human nature, you know? So I, I told David and I would tell Kim this, like, I wish you guys would hire a therapist and like work it out and come back because you guys are great together. I agree. Well, and I always feel this is, these are lessons for me, Sarah, like even with 
my interns, I had, I had to put a boundary with someone I was working with. I won't mention the person, but I just wished this person all the best, wanted to separate peacefully. And it really taught me a lot, Sarah, of expectations that I have in the workplace, being more honest and transparent of like, here are my deadlines, here's the schedule. And when it comes to pay with, you know, guests on your show, you just have to have that conversation. Like, I feel like I, everything has to be discussed. And what the problem is, is when mind reading happens and I'm not placing blame on anyone, but I think that if you think you, you start to find out that you're making a certain amount of money and you had never been exposed or understood where that money stream was coming from again just like let's have the conversation let's try to resolve let's compromise but that's why you're right we need an industrial psychologist like that's what they are yeah, trained for totally and this is even why i think should there be a podcast union like i don't that's even know if there's any call even for podcasters to be united because we really are freelancers there is no that's a great point, I guess. That's a really good point. Um, and I mean, I feel like the the industry is so young, like that it might get there for sure. But I think it's so new, you know? It's still, people are still figuring it out. I think they're figuring out who are going to be the big uh, company players. Yeah, it's kind of hard to figure that out. Well, do you feel that with the writer's strike, I feel it could go in two ways. The longer the writer strike goes on, which I was hearing this could go until the winter and even longer, um, that so many are going to enter into podcasting or they actually are entertainers not allowed to enter into podcasting because it would create new work for them. That's again, like, I don't know where the line is because then I heard Jimmy Fallon was going to have a podcast. He is with Jimmy Kimmel. I think it's already out. Jimmy Kimmel. John Oliver, uh, Seth Myers, and uh, Jimmy Fallon all are going to do a um, podcast. I think it's already out. I don't even know what it's called. But um, yeah, I, I mean, that's a great question. And I don't know where the gray is for them. Um, I would think because podcasting is not unionized that they could do that. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I, you know, my opinion as somebody who's been podcasting almost eight years now, you know, and when I started, I mean, I had colleagues from the radio world be like, oh my God, this is the kiss of death. Like, why are you doing this? You're, this is so beneath you. You need to be on a radio station. This is such a bad look. And, you know, uh, like there was a moment where I thought they were right. I mean, it was very hard to get sponsorships at first. It was not like it is now where you can sign up for some of these uh, podcasting distributors and you can start getting ads immediately and, and making some revenue. Um, so I, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of people enter the podcasting space. It's going to be very competitive for the next year. And then I think you're going to see a lot of people drop out because as you know, it's podcasting is a tremendous amount of work and it doesn't end with just putting your episode out. If you're, if you're doing that as a hobby or if you're doing it to drive business to another business that you have once a week is great. But if you want to make this a full-time thing and be impactful and you're not a major star, it's, it's a ton of work. So I think yeah, you're going to well, the social media marketing is oh, I'm sure, you know, Sarah, with all the, the social media videos, it's like 
I have to keep a whole calendar of when I'm releasing what. If not, I wouldn't release anything. Yeah. Um, But you're right. It's, and I could also see this go in another way, which is actually more exciting for us, I feel, is I feel since I was one of the first, again, I don't want to like take away from other academics who entered podcasting, but I feel like I was one of the first to really enter into especially an LGBTQ show in this type of academic capacity that if you were first, say, even with the Sarah Fraser show, and even though you had those naysayers, the jokes on them, you now, you know, are one of the highest listened to podcasts in terms of pop culture and all the conversations you have. Are we kind of setting the standard? Like, are people going to now tune in more to our content because they're in need of, listening to these recaps or they're like wait but where's my show even dancing with the stars sarah i just saw they're all picketing dancing with the stars right now like those who are striking are now saying why are you all filming and they're now getting pressure because of the sag after members allison hannigan mira servino and i think matt walsh is the actor i don't really know his work but they're now uh picketing because there's actors on dancing with the stars I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Like, I feel like, you know, if the show is not a SAG after show, they're not scabs. I mean, you know, they're not, you know, if the show doesn't have writers, they're not, you know, they still can be in solidarity, but they have this other job. That's where I'm I'm in disagreement of the this strike. I'm in agreement of, because, it, you know, it's funny to me, like a lot of these streamers don't want to share numbers, right? So like you get paid a fee, And you don't know if that show is a number one hit or a tank. And that's so strange to me because when I worked for iHeartRadio and when I worked for Cumulus Media, you always got a bonus structure based on the number of listeners. They were always transparent with that. And so if, I don't know, whatever the bonus, I don't even remember, but let's say you had to have 500,000 people listen to you that month and then you got a $10,000 bonus. I mean, they were sharing those numbers. So it's odd to me. That's where I disagree. I think AI is an issue um, and residuals, you know, I mean, they should be getting, I mean, the residuals, I I was on HBO, one episode of HBO's Crashing, which Pete Holmes, the comedian did, you know, I get residuals. I mean, it's like a dollar a month, you know, and, and I mean, look, I was only there a day. I mean, but I, I wonder what, I wonder if the residuals are good for like Pete Holmes and maybe for those couple of stars that that did it. I don't know. But well, do you know who I disagree with them? I, I think that's insane. Like Dancing with the Stars was never set up to do that. And like these guys are still they've been longtime SAG after members. They've contributed. They've helped. I mean, give me a break. Well, and do you know the Jess Cagle show? Mm. He's like, oh, he's an interviewer, but he's on Sirius. And now he's under uh, Radio Andy. OK. And- Fran Drescher was interviewed. This is like a few months ago, but I thought it was one of the best interviews ever. First, I'm just so appreciative of Fran and learning about like all the bills she passed in um, Congress and her like the breast cancer awareness. I mean, she's a fascinating person. And this isn't her first time of doing advocacy work and worker strikes. So what I found though is exactly what you said. It really is coming down to artificial intelligence. It's coming down to how much can you use our image and what's going to happen with these streaming services. So I really think all of this had to be laid out. All of it has to air. This is also something though at the university, artificial intelligence has become such a buzz word, but also 
how are students going to use it for writing and how can we use it for education tools and um, are they going to take away writers jobs? I mean, it really is affecting every industry. And I do wonder though, what are we seeing Sarah with like even Sirius XM? Cause at one point I thought, Oh, maybe my podcast could be bought by Sirius. But then yeah. I saw all of these people leaving Sirius like Amy Phillips, Michelle Collins, and they're now strictly on podcasting and Patreon. And I'm wondering why do you think so many, I know you had an affiliation with Sirius, but what is going on with Sirius? Because it seems like they've really been in hot water lately. Um, well, you know, I think having been independent and having worked for a ma for major companies, Cumulus Media, iHeartRadio, I still work for Fox. Um, you know, they have their challenges too. And, you know, being an independent has its challenges as well. I love the balance that I have now of like having my own business and also working for a big corporation. You know, SiriusXM, it's hard, right? Like I, everybody thinks like, oh my God, they're rolling in the cash. I doubt that they are. I mean, to be honest with you, Howard Stern is their biggest personality. And, you know, Howard is 70. I mean, you know, like they're, I mean, they're praying Howard goes until he's like 80 because, you know, Andy, Andy is amazing, but I can guarantee Andy and his network and Jeff Lewis don't bring in probably even a quarter of the signups that like Howard does, right? Um, so, you know, they have their challenges. And I think the, the hard part is, I don't know what people's deals are at Sirius. Like, I don't know if you can work for Sirius full time and then have your own podcast show, or you have to pick one or the other. When I worked for iHeart in those places, you, you know, they owned everything. And I think people are seeing the advantages of owning your own content. And honestly, I just, I feel like that's where it's headed because Every generation is watching traditional television and SiriusXM less and less and less. They're going to YouTube. They're going to TikTok. They're going to, we'll see if X shakes out to be anything. Um, I just, I just don't know that they're going to watch and listen as much. So uh, I don't know a lot of why these people are leaving. I don't know if they're, if they're not being renewed by the company, if they don't like what the company is telling them, but you work for a company. I always had my coworker, one of my coworkers who was at Fox always told me about our bosses at Fox and Fox five. He always said, it's their candy store. Okay. You just work there and they can put anything they want in the candy in the front of the candy shop. Okay. Even if you know, you're an expert in like, you know, taffy sells, but they don't want to feature taffy. It's not your candy store. So they're going to put whatever they want in those front windows and your job is to smile and sell it. And if you don't, you can exit the door and go start your own taffy store. But that comes with challenges too. Well, and this is the hardest part of even me getting hired full-time at a university is a lot of universities now, guess what? They want podcasts, but they want podcasts under their own brand. It has to have only their professors, their faculty. And I kind of predicted this would happen. Like I always say, academia will take five years for new ideas. Like- it just is this trickle down process. So eventually I wouldn't be surprised, Sarah, if every professor has a podcast that they have in their classroom, but it's under their corporation. It has to be under the university's marketing. And what I love is what you love is the freedom. I mean, if someone told me, Andrew, you can't interview Marianne Williamson. Oh, you can't interview this guest. This is someone 
who, you know, does not have diverse opinions or has stepped in it. This happens. And I would not want anyone really controlling my content. But there's also the risk of then you having to raise your own money and have that entrepreneurial spirit. It's there's it's pros and cons. It's, it's hard. Yeah, it's a very hard. And not everybody is an entrepreneur, even though if you're on TikTok, you you think, oh, I should be an entrepreneur. It's it sucks. It's very hard. I bet, you know, I never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur. I worked for big media companies for years. I got a paycheck every two weeks and I loved it. I didn't have to think about, fuck, you know, what am I going to do about sales? I got to look into the sales company. I got to get an LLC. Uh, what do I have to pay tax on? What do I do? You know, I mean, it's, it is not for everybody. And, you know, to your point, I don't think there's anything wrong with, I, I, you know, I love if there was a podcasting company or a university that wanted to partner with you or wanted to partner with the Sarah Fraser show and wanted a, an ownership in the show, that's fine. It's like, but what are they going to do for you? And what happens a lot of times is they go, oh, well, we have 20,000 students on our campus and we're going to put you on the campus, um, you know, website. And uh, we have 400,000 views a week, you know? And it's like, okay, but is that translating to anything? How, if you're going to have ownership, you have to do a lot more than that now. I mean, you know, you've got to be helping me generate sales. You've got to be putting, including me in your pitch at other places. You've got, you know, if you're going to be in it as a partner, like you using your social media does not help me. So I think, and you're seeing that with podcasting companies, you're seeing a lot of people bounce from podcasting companies because they do all the same. Oh, we have this podcasting network. You're going to be on our network. We're going to help you get guests. They're not, they're not. They're going to help you do sales, which is extremely helpful. And then you have to negotiate your ad revenue split that you're going to do. But beyond that, they have so many things that they're doing just to keep afloat. They are not going to help you book guests unless you are, you know, Jimmy Fallon. Yes, he's got a team. They're they're working on getting them guests. But well, if you're like us, you know, you. it's like, what are you doing? You know, I'm, I'm not opposed to a partner, but every partner that has approached me, they've never offered me anything that I can't do. And in fact, more I'm bringing like you are. You're bringing your expertise, your audience, new eyeballs, new expertise, consulting business to them. But, and right, that's where now my intuition, I always now take a pause when I hear those pitches. I have wonderful sponsorships, but sponsorships is different than a partnership. And the the partnership, if they're making it seem like they're promising the pie in the sky, but then you're really bringing all that energy, it's like, wait, you're now going to take my name and take the ownership and I'm not getting anything in return. I know, but that's great business advice, Sarah. Okay. Hi, this is Dr. Andrew Rimby, and I'm so excited to shout out the Gay and Lesbian Review, who is helping to sponsor the ITBR podcast. For all of you out there, the Gay and Lesbian Review is a bi-monthly magazine where you can discover new things about gay and lesbian literature, history, and culture. And the GL Review publishes essays in a wide range of disciplines, as well as a slew of reviews of books, plays, and movies, and a number of special features, such as artist profiles 
and their popular art memo column. Each issue of the magazine brings you consistently intelligent, lively, thought-provoking articles focused on a unifying theme. For example, their September-October issue centers on the theme Cracking the Closet. So, starting in the 19th century, a number of artists and writers found ways to crack the closet by expressing their sexuality between the lines or in the interstices of their work. For example, Ignacio Darnad, who is a friend of the ITBR podcast, he's been on our show, writes all about illustrator J.C. Leyendecker, whose work for Ivory Soap and Arrow Collars gave him plenty of opportunities to draw pictures of well-dressed and at times scantily dressed American men. And you also can find an article by Vernon Rosario, who has been on the podcast, and he talks about the quest for sex in the Middle Ages. So to subscribe, visit glreview.org. That's G-L-R-E-V-I-E-W.org. Click subscribe. So on their website, go all the way over to the right-hand side, and you'll see the button subscribe. Click subscribe and enter the promo code ITBR50 because you're getting 50% off your subscription to the print or digital edition of the Gay and Lesbian Review magazine. I can't wait for you all to have your copy of the Gay and Lesbian Review magazine and make sure that you take a picture when your magazine arrives or when you're reading it online and tag the GL Review on Instagram and ITBR and we'll share it out in our stories. Enjoy your reading, everyone. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Andrew Rimby, and I am so excited to be talking about Broadview Press. You might be asking, what is Broadview Press, Andrew? Broadview is an independent academic publisher in the humanities that produces high-quality, pedagogically useful books for use in university and college classrooms. They publish in the humanities, mainly English studies, writing, philosophy, and history, just to name a few genres. And recently, I had on Dr. Jason Holt, who wrote all about the philosophy of sport. And what better summer episode than to talk about what happens when a philosopher dissects the beautiful aesthetics of sporting culture? In the spring, I had on doctors Kyle Stedman and Tanya Rodriguez to talk about what is sound writing, how to make audio projects in the college classroom, how to even have your students create podcasts. And then in the winter, I had on Dr. Dr. Jeffrey Weinstock. He talked about analyzing pop culture. Yes, I even sneak in some Real Housewives questions and how to teach composition and make it fun. He uses this whole metaphor about being a mad scientist in this gothic lab. And in the fall, I had on Dr. Ann Stevens and she talked about literary theory and criticism. And yes, the university season is upon us. So what better way to talk about the college classroom than to actually understand what is literary theory? That's a wonderful episode for all of you out there who teach literary studies. I love Broadview Press. Make sure you use their exclusive code. It's Ivory Tower on broadviewpress.com. You get 20% off all, all Broadview Press publications. Okay, until the next Broadview Press interview. And now back to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room.
Hi, everyone. This is Andrew, and I am interrupting what I know is such an exciting Ivory Tower Boiler Room episode to tell you all about one of my favorite podcasts. It's called That Old Gay Classic Cinema, and it's hosted by Christian Garcia. Christian is joined with guest co-hosts to talk about classic cinema films that we know and love, and he analyzes them through a queer lens. So, He's talked about The Sound of Music, Alfred Hitchcock, The Wizard of Oz, Sleeping Beauty, 101 Dalmatians, and recently, Hello, Dolly. I actually was on his first ever episode to talk about my love of The Sound of Music and playing Captain Von Trapp in my high school musical. Then I was joined with Mary DePippi, the host of True Crime in Academia, and our friend Travis Roundtree to talk about Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. Mary just had Christian on True Crime and Academia to talk about female poisoners, including the evil queen from Snow White and actual real life female poisoners. So Christian's podcast is the best. You must add it to your listen list. After you listen to this episode, make sure you head over to That Old Gay Classic Cinema on Apple and Spotify. Make sure you follow him on Instagram at That Old Gay Classic Cinema. And he's also on TikTok. Don't forget TikTok. Okay. I can't wait for you all to listen to That Old Gay Classic Cinema. And now back to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. So I feel like we have to turn as we're in our like nearing the latter end, one third of our conversation is the reality reckoning, which Ooh, yeah. I have so many thoughts. I just heard you and David talk about Ebony being on Bethany's show. I had heard that as well. I had Ebony on my show. I really think she is going to be on Bethany's podcast. And the reason is because Ebony has her new um, television judge show coming out. So uh, I think that I, there is some publicity happening. I did ask Ebony. She didn't respond to me in a DM, um, which I think is interesting um, that she didn't shoot down that it's not happening. Um, I think that's telling. But yeah, it's telling. And I think it is interesting to me. Bethany really hasn't weighed in on NeNe Leakes and Carlos King. And I'm wondering why she hasn't brought up Carlos King. I'm even wondering if Bethany and Carlos are planning something. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I think that this is only the beginning of the subterfuge that is reality reckoning. I think that Andy Cohen knows the writing on the wall. My guess is the new Roni, I have to say, is probably one of the best. Oh, re I love it. Not even reboot, but one of the best just like reality breath of fresh air that I've seen. I thought the girls trips have been wonderful. Um, except I think the Brandy Glanville and Dorinda girls trip was the best. I think that Brandy, anytime she's on TV, even though there's the whole Caroline Manzo episode, Brandy knows what she's doing. She is so good at the drama. Uh, I, I think that we have to talk about, really what's happening with the Real Housewives franchise. And I hate to say it, is the Real Housewives still feasible? Because I feel like we're on the Titanic, Sarah. I feel like Roni, the new Roni, they're kind of the musicians on the Titanic playing, and then the other shows are running around. <laughs> and I hate to say it like that, but it feels that way. That like every other franchise, 
is floundering, even though I'll still watch them. They're struggling. Like the Orange County women, they're just oh, not cohesive. So like the new Roni, they all started at the same time. So they can all learn together what it means to be a real housewife. But do you think Tam, that RHOA, yeah. do you think RHOA is going to get blown up and everyone's gone and they start? Oh, I think they're gone. I think Kenya going on Carlos King was telling. She wouldn't have gone on Carlos King after he just had Nene leaks, which Nene and, you know, Andy Cohen and Bravo. It's They're like yeah. persona non grata. Um, I think Kenya is maybe trying to now get on board whatever Carlos King is doing. Yeah, I wouldn't I be surprised that. if Nene and Kenya are planning something. That's a um, idea too. Yep. Yeah. You I, know, I think, I think RHOA is going to have a new show like Roni. I was, I believed what you believed for so long. I'm like, the the ship is sinking, but I actually believe, no, I actually think it's going to continue. I, you know, do I think we're going to have the monster ratings that we've seen in the past? No, but I don't think they want those. I don't think that the new reboot of Roni is doing particularly gangbuster numbers, but I think it's good enough. I think- Probably Jenna Lyons makes the most amount of money. I don't think these women are ever going to make that much money at all now. And I think it's great for their brands, even if, you know, they have the Bethany clause and, you know, they a portion of it is owned by Bravo or, you know, if they promote it, Bravo gets something. I, I think Salt Lake is doing well enough. Beverly Hills is going to do well. I think they're, you're right. They're going to blow everybody out, out of RHOA. They're going to keep Candy Burris as a show, Candy and the Gang or whatever. They're going to keep that show. You know, maybe they're going to rework some of the women they want to keep Kenya. Um, but I think they are, I think it is, it just has such a cult following. I don't think it's going away. I don't think that the ratings are ever going to be as big, but I do think Housewives has another decade in it. I just do. I, I know that's like an unpopular take, but I think it does. Well, and no one is talking about that god-awful show, no offense against the women, but The Real Girlfriends of Paris. The Real Girlfriends of Paris Number is, one. but it is what I think allowed for the new Roni women to exist. Like, I think that was a whole just, let's see what happens with like young women, but they like tried it in another country cause it was probably cheaper and they just wanted to see what happened with this cohesion. But I do think that with the new Roni, I agree that Leah definitely is gonna come back. I think Leah will come back. You do? I think that there's an appetite for the nostalgia. She's not nostalgic, but I think for someone from the older franchise just to like step in. I don't know if she'd be a full cast member, but I could even see like if Ebony, like I'm surprised that like they didn't even have Ebony really part of like even handing the baton. Like I thought it would have been cool if Leah and Ebony were at like the first dinner and we we're like, okay, we wish you the best ladies. And they broke the fourth wall. But I also think the fans are so torn with Ebony and Leah like they're polarizing 50% they're so, like yeah. them and 50% don't that they didn't even want to like throw them in the mix. Um, I don't know. I think the the women are working well, but you're right. Jill Zarin on Bethany's YouTube show has more ratings than any of the new season episodes of Roni will have. You you said it. And I think we I think the ship has sailed 
for polarizing personalities, although we'll see how Potomac does. But I think, you know, David and I talk about this a lot on the Sarah Fraser show when we team up. It's, you know, I, I feel like we're fighting over, we're fighting over cheese. We're fighting over who came to a dinner. I think Beverly Hills is going to be so light. You know, yeah, we're going to have the Erica stuff like looming. We're going to have, I think the gay, you know, you said this on when you and I, you were on my show. We're going to have the queer baiting Morgan Wade story. Is Kyle gay? Is she not? Will she come out? Are they going to get divorced? I just think the, the, any depth, any social issue, we're, they're going to stay a million miles away from it. And I, I think, you know, there's a, another big fight that was filmed with Potomac. And David and I talk about this and we're like, I don't even think you're going to see that fight. I really don't because I don't think they even want to go there with a narrative of black women fighting. I, I just yep. don't. I think they're going to keep it light, light, light. Um, and even if it works okay that way, they're thrilled. Well, if Lizzie Savetsky... They say she left. I actually have, I can't prove this, alleged. This is alleged, Sarah. But if she had stayed, we would have seen one of the, like, you thought, people thought that Ebony caught out white privileged women and like Ramona and Luann were up in arms. Again, I think they were up in arms. Yes, because of the pandemic and racial issues. But I think we have to say Ramona and Luann were up in arms because they're like, oh my God, Ebony, Leah, they're kicking us out. Like, we're done. This is, I think if they had their way, Ebony and Leah were ushering in the new women. Like, I really do think they wanted to phase out the women who are making more money. Yeah. Uh, but if Lizzie Savetsky had stayed, Lizzie and Bryn had gotten into a major racial issue. And remember, Bryn is mixed race. And I think that was... Everything people had said that the beginning of Roni started in the middle, and it's true because all of these like Cafe Cipriano and restaurant scenes were filmed, but they were filmed with Lizzie, which is why you never got to see when they were all introduced to each other. But that's also apparently when Bryn wanted a matchmaking service that Lizzie has, and Lizzie um, is Jewish and is like more modern Orthodox Jewish. And she's like, no, I only do matchmaking for the Orthodox community. And Bryn's like, but I, you know, is this a race? I don't know exactly how it went down, Sarah, but I know that like Lizzie's husband said the N word. And then like that was on camera. So again, did Lizzie say, I want to leave? Or did Bravo kind of nudge her and say like, hey, like this is just too toxic. Yeah, good question, right? I don't know the truth of that, but I think I just think there's just no way you're going to get any of those topics, especially with now the reality reckoning on the horizon, which you know, I always I don't always like the messenger of who Bethany is, but Bethany's message is correct. I mean, and you know, I'm more of an expert in the TLC world, which has these shows like 1000 Pound Sisters and, you know, Sister Wives and 90 Day Fiance. Nobody is more abused than those individuals on TLC. I mean, I know for a fact, a lot of these individuals, I mean, they make less than a thousand dollars an episode and they are expected to shoot for hours every week of their lives, tell their whole, I mean, they have no workman's comp. They have no retirement. They have no 401k. They're not getting health insurance and they make peanuts. And, you know, Bethany's right. They do need a union. 100%. These networks are making a fortune off of these individuals, a fortune. And they they get nothing. 
I mean, they they get fame for it. A lot of them make money on Cameo. They do, you know, especially TLC people. They're very unique and eclectic. They they make a fortune on Big Ed is one that comes to mind. It was just on my show. A lot of people know him in the 90-day world. And actually, he became very famous on TikTok through the through COVID. Um, you know, he makes a fortune on Cameo now. Um, but I guarantee you that's where he makes all his money. And it's not from spending years on TLC network, which is which is not right. Well, and I Again, I'm not a soothsayer. I'm not the Oracle at Delphi predicting. I don't have a crystal ball. But I do kind of wonder, with the whole reality reckoning, it is such a marketing brand that Bethany, because in her TikToks, like, we have to wrap with this, Sarah, because I need your opinion. She, like, I love Bethany's, her marketing schemes, her strategies. She tries all these new things, but I never get why she doubles down. Like why keep doubling down about giving, you know, your used makeup to someone at TJ Maxx. Like just stop, like don't even enter into, unless again, it's her knowing that when she talks about it, those who are anti-Bethany people are just going to keep spewing out uh, her name. So it's like all press is good press, but is reality reckoning a new brand she's creating? I've also thought about, is mm-hmm. this where Kenya's going to be and Jill Zarin and Carlos King? Like, is this, is this a production company? Uh, I doubt it because no. I don't think, um, I just, you know, I, I, I doubt it. I mean, it's, it's, like we live in a capitalist society at the end of the day. And it's, you know, yeah, we all know companies that have that form and are usually mid-sized companies that really treat their employees amazing and people like love working there. Um, But I, you know, at the end of the day, what makes reality TV captivating is that line of, is this exploitative or is this like who the person is? Like, that's why we like to watch, right? I mean, your TLC, right? Thousand pound sisters. I mean, part of the reason you're watching is because these two women are morbidly obese and it's like, God, should we be filming them? But there are people that live like this. They have really crazy personalities. You know, I mean, it's just, I think, I don't know. You know, she, like you said, she might be trying to make it a brand, which is too bad because the message is great. You know, if you want to put yourself on TV and a lot of these people, yes, some of them do, are exploited and they don't want to, but a lot of times people like love this. They want to do it. They, they become consumed by it. They always knew they were going to be on television. Teresa Giudice comes to mind. Um, you know, but they should have some, you know, protections, like some, you know, at least get health insurance while you're working, at least, you know, be eligible for workman's comp. If something really bad happens, you know, I mean, those are sort of basic things that, you know, I just don't even think Bethany probably wants to do that. Like, you know, maybe, but I doubt she wants to be giving well, those rights to people. I think she wants them from other companies, but I'm not sure she wants to give them. LGBT stories are universal, but each one speaks to the individual heart and soul of the writer telling it. Do you have a story to tell? Or have you been moved by an LGBT book, film, painting, television show, or other form of media? Then the Gay and Lesbian Review wants to hear from you. The GNLR believes in bringing awareness to queer art and artists through reviews, commentary, and thought pieces in which the author relates their personal lives to a particular piece of art, a novel, a movie. In addition to the print magazine, the GNLR also publishes articles on its blog. 
So you can see all of this on glreview.org. That's G-L-R-E-V-I-E-W.org. Remember, you get 50% off your subscription of the GL Review magazine when you use the promo code ITBR50. That's 50% off your print or digital subscription when you use promo code ITBR50. To learn more about submitting an article for the GNLR, visit their writer's guidelines. The link is located at the bottom of their homepage. And if you have any questions, email Stephen Hemrick. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N dot H-E-M-R-I-C-K at glreview.org. The GNLR and its readers can't wait to see what you have to say. Hey, Ivory Tower Boiler Room listeners and true crime friends. You've heard me gush over this incredible woman and her beautiful products. I'm talking about Mandy Made It. Mandy makes customized and original crochet and cre-cut goods. They are the perfect, unique, one-of-a-kind gift for literally anyone in your life. And she makes incredible home decor. I still have my pumpkins that I put out every fall. I just love them. Check her out on Instagram at M-A-N-D-E-E Made It or search Mandy Made It on Facebook. To order, just slide into her DMs. And if you mention the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, you will receive a free personalized gift with your first order. So go on Instagram and look up at Mandy Made It and Mandy is spelled M-A-N-D-E-E. Again, her handle is at Mandy Made It, Mandy spelled M-A-N-D-E-E, and order today. Yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I would love if Jill, Zarin, Brandy Glanville, Bethany, Nini, like if they all ended up on a show together run by Carlos King. I don't know. We could see it. That'd be amazing. Yeah. It would be amazing. I think that the audience would be absolutely lose their mind. Love the nostalgia. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, Sarah, I feel like you helped clarify so much going on with the writer's strike. I think, you know, it's just so ongoing. It's always evolving. I don't think anyone really knows what the negotiations are going to bring, right? We don't really know what's going to be um, resolved or even what benefits the writers and the actors get, but hopefully it's just a fairer system and they don't feel exploited. But I think that's our theme right now in 2023 mm. is stop exploiting workers and industries. So. I love it. Uh, we shall see though. Uh, we see. We'll know in a few months, hopefully. Okay. Well, thanks so much. And where can everyone follow you, find you, social media, all that? I would love it. I really love TikTok at the Sarah Frazier show. You can find me almost everywhere though at the Sarah Frazier show. And I put out new podcast episodes seven days a week. So just Sarah Frazier everywhere you find your podcasts. Thanks so much, Sarah. Okay. We'll be in touch. Bye, Bye everyone. Andrew. Bye. Hi, this is Dr. Andrew Rimby. I want to thank you so much for listening to the ITBR and TCIA episodes. Make sure if you don't follow, rate, and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. 
Also, make sure you follow ITBR on TikTok and Instagram at Ivory Tower Boiler Room and TCIA on TikTok and Instagram at True Crime and Academia. Also, we have a brand new Patreon membership system. So I just want to explain it to you all quickly. So if you want to become an ITBR student, it is $5 a month. You get ad-free ITBR and TCIA episodes and video interviews. If you want to become an ITBR professor for $10 a month, you get all of those ad-free benefits, but you also get access to both the ITBR and TCIA book clubs. You can join both book clubs, get ad-free episodes, plus you're going to get all of our extra video episodes. So I am re-watching Queer as Folk. Christian Garcia from That Old Gay Classic Cinema is joining us, and he's re-watching Smash. Um, Mary is going to start to re-watch shows as well. You even get access to what I'm calling the ITBR teaches. So if I'm recapping a movie or a TV show, including Barbie, um, Halloween movies and horror films, you get access to that as well. And then I also am offering consultation services. So for $30, you get your first initial consultation with me. It's a one hour private Zoom. I will help create a, your podcast, your media brand. How do you navigate academia as an undergrad or a grad student? Do you need help with technology? It could be teaching tools, Spotify for podcasters, video editor so software. Do you want to expand your social media presence as an artist, writer, podcaster, or academic? Do you want help on how to create a public humanities identity like I've created for myself? So I now I'm offering that consultation service. You can find more info about it on Patreon. And you also can join our book clubs. If you want to just join the ITBR book club or the TCIA book club, you can do that for $4 a month. Patreon.com backslash Ivory Tower Boiler Room. That is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Thanks to the team, Mary DePippi, our chief contributor. And thank you to our two new interns from Stony Brook University, Jonathan and Sarah. Bye, everyone. Until next time.